Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Coder Career with me, Cameron Blackwood. If you aren't familiar, I'm an ex-technical recruiter who's now become a software engineer and this podcast is a way for me to show my experience from both sides of the table and interview some amazing guests from all over the tech spectrum. Today, my guest is Liska, who I've worked with back in my recruitment days, although she wasn't actually a recruiter, uh, and she now also is a software engineer coming from a different background as well. So she'll have a ton of insight and uh, has had some really interesting experience. She's also our first international guest, which is very exciting. She is coming here uh, from, from Berlin, so Eurovision style. Um, hello, Berlin. This is Edinburgh. How, how are you doing? Hello, Edinburgh. <laughs> Great to hear you. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm good. Um, yeah, I'm really happy to be on your podcast. Thank you very much for inviting me. Not, not at all. Absolute pleasure. Uh, so, for listeners who haven't um, who haven't heard from you before, can you give like a brief background about, about who you are, what your story is, and how you ended up working in tech? Sure. So, the abbreviated version is: I fairly randomly studied uh, classical archaeology, so Greek and Roman stuff, at university um, in the UK, and then. I found a job in Berlin um, in marketing. It was completely unrelated. And um, subsequently, because um, what I was writing about a lot and what our company that we were both working in um, was involved with was um, putting developers in jobs, I learned more and more about um, software developer um, roles and um, yeah, what uh, software development is actually. And uh, with a growing interest, I, I ended up moving into that field. Fantastic. Sounds great. So um, you didn't specify because you're being very humble, but um, I I know for a fact you went to Oxford. So studying classics at Oxford to software engineering, that's a pretty wild um, sort of transition. So uh, that's very cool. What's the main uh, programming you're focusing on at the moment? Yeah, uh, at the moment I'm doing uh, JavaScript or or more specifically uh, TypeScript, which is a a flavor of JavaScript. and I'm using that as a front-end um, engineer to to work with uh, React. Uh, yeah. Awesome. That is pretty much exactly my tech stack as well. And I must say, I am loving it. Um, I, I'm currently doing that for a, for a company called Purple Bricks. And we are trying to be the new way to buy a house in the UK. So uh, if you're selling your house or buying a house, check us out. You may come into some components that uh, I designed, um, so that that'd be very cool. Uh, so anyway, enough about my uh, my current job. Um, I've got some quick fire questions for you, uh, Liska, if that's all right, just for, so listeners can get to know you a bit better. Um, so first and foremost, what was your first ever computer? Oh, um, I shared a bit of a oh, I, I shared an absolute brick of a computer that my granddad had from his university days with my brother. And I think pretty much it might have had the internet, if, but I think we needed to ask my granddad to switch it on for us. Um, and it, it had some um, very 90s games on it. Um, yeah, and I loved it. It was fantastic. <laughs> that was my main computer for a lot of years. <laughs> Nothing beats '90s games. That aesthetic is uh, is great. I mean, Classic. I had so many good memories um, of uh, playing on playing on the absolute um, brick that was my parents' old family computer, and no doubt installing a ton of malware in my wake. Yeah, it it has a lot of lovable features, I think, and and yeah, but it's very characterful. You can say that about it for sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, characterful is the, the exact word. Um, yeah, <laughs> although in my experience, that's also the word people use when a house is falling apart. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> characterful in being, it's much more much. <laughs> so you're someone that's traveled quite a lot in your career uh, as well. So this will be quite an interesting question. Uh, and I'm curious to hear your opinion on it. In terms of tech cities, which one is your favorite in the world? Yeah, um, I think uh, a lot of tech cities have different things going for them. So I've been to uh, to San Francisco, which was um, yeah quite spectacular in many ways. I have never worked there, but I really enjoyed being in the city itself. Um, I grew up near Edinburgh, where you currently are, um, and now I'm in Berlin, which is Silicon Alley. Um, and yeah, I mean, to live in, it's fantastic here. Um, and I think Edinburgh is also a very, um, exciting place, um, as, as somebody in tech uh, to be in, but actually I was speaking, uh, just yesterday with a friend of mine, um, who's also Russian and I'm a half Russian. Um, and, uh, we were discussing Moscow because I think there's a lot happening there in tech at the moment. I have a lot of curiosity about it, um, as, as a place that I'd quite maybe like to live at some point in the future. 
Um, yeah, and I think in general, it, it's it's a really interesting city to live in. Yeah, it's a very interesting place and a lot of very talented programmers already reside there. So it's kind of a natural progression. It's already a very strong regional hub that I, I, I think uh, I agree with you. There's already been a lot of, there's a lot of, because I mean, you'll, you'll know this much better than me, but Russian Russian internet is its very own ecosystem in terms of, well, what's the big networking site called? Is it VK? Yeah, uh, which means in contact. Yeah, everybody uses Vkontakte. And I mean, um, recently, um, a lot of people moved to using things like Telegram, um, partly, um, yeah, and um, especially at least in Berlin, um, among people I know. And this is this is also a Russian um, Russian company. I think that I mean, I think they're actually based in Dubai. But uh, but anyway, um, I think there are a lot of, of very kind of a high energy and, and interesting things coming out of there at the moment. Yeah, sounds exciting. I, I visited about, um, must be getting on 10 years ago now, and I, I absolutely loved it. I thought, and St. Petersburg as well. I mean, I absolutely, Russia is definitely one of the most interesting places I've ever been. It was awesome. And uh, hopefully go back one day. Um, but yeah, it would be uh, would be cool to collaborate with some people in Moscow for sure one day. Um, what about when when you're getting on with your work? Are you more music or podcast? What, what floats your boat? Oh, music, music for sure. Um, I hadn't even thought of listening to a pot. Do people do that? Is that a thing? <laughs> Uh, it depends. I think I think if I'm if I'm doing admin, I'm more of a podcast person. I don't think I've said this on on the code of career actually. Um, I'm probably more of a podcast person when I uh, when I'm doing admin stuff. If I'm sort of neck deep in JavaScript or, or TypeScript these days, I probably can't do it because it's kind of you know you're, you're doing uh, two things at once. So I often like. Um, uh, this sounds. This is going to sound so lame, but I I got the uh, the Mr. Robot soundtrack. I don't know if you've seen Mr. Robot. It's really good. It's about a, it's about a hacker group uh, based in New York, uh, and this is so lame. But I got I got the official soundtrack, and I've been coding uh, with that in the background. And I feel so cool, uh, and it's really good for concentration. Um, so yeah, I, I'm more I'm more music m- music when I'm uh, when I'm coding. A- anyway. Um, so your your music as well yourself yeah I think so you know actually now I think about it I, I listen to podcasts when I'm cycling because I want my attention to to be focused on the words but for some reason songs with lyrics don't bother me so much um when I'm when I'm typing although um when I'm like in serious super concentrating mode and this is for exams or for programming or whatever um then I'm either on Django Reinhardt or all the four seasons by Vivaldi <laughs> which is not not necessarily what I'm listening to the rest of the time but for concentrating it's it's on point very nice yeah what so what was the last thing you played on Spotify was it one of those or I think it was something by Tupac. So no. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, hit him up or something. I think. Yeah. A <laughs> lot, lot of contrast uh, in in those choices. I, I like it. And what what about um, for when you're working? Would you say your early bird, night owl? When do you find you do your most effective work? Uh, I'm I'm very dramatically inconsistent with this. Um, so the, I, I have a, I'm, I'm an insomniac, so I sometimes go through phases where I, I physically can't get up early because I haven't slept much. Um, which is, I mean, that, that doesn't mean I necessarily work better later, but it means that, that, that working early is not an option. Uh, however, um, when I'm in a good rhythm and, and which I generally try to be, I actually like to get up pretty early like seven o'clock um which which i think now that we're all working from home and um at least in berlin this is this is currently the norm uh, for most um tech companies i think um and re- the jobs that you can do remotely um i like to be online an hour and a half before everybody else um it means that i can kind of carefully and at my own pace look over things that that maybe i haven't finished off entirely in a way in like the, the way that I really want them or, uh, or or just double check um code that I've I've done before like I, I make a pull request on it or, or something like this um there's there's no rush you know if you get up at um 15 minutes before you have to be well, yeah b- before you have a call or, or something then it, it's a little bit disorientating so I, I like the morning it's a long way of saying yeah, you definitely uh, definitely don't want to roll out of bed like five minutes for a stand up because I've done that a couple of times and y- <laughs> your brain's just not even there. Like I, yeah. I I agree. I think it's an hour and a half for me is a sweet spot of uh, being 
being up before the first sort of stand up. Um, and it's good but, as well yeah. because um, people people aren't um, messaging you for things. You know, when when other people are online, um, then um, it's important that you can be responsive to to certain questions or um, yeah. Uh, so it's nice to have a time in the morning before other people are up to 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 have some uninterrupted um, focus. Yeah, exactly, and it stops you sort of messing, uh, messing about sort of late at night and w- wasting time for me. Like, uh, if I know I have to be up early, like I know I'm go- not going to be up until one in the morning playing Far Cry or something like that. Like, which don't get me wrong, feels great at the time, but uh, does not feel so great when you're waking up thinking, you know, I, I could do this when I was fourteen. Like, <laughs> yeah, we've we've been there, and fourteen was a while ago for all of us. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, so uh, rapidly, uh, rapidly, I'm I'm looking in the rearview mirror at those years. Um, but yeah, <laughs> what about? Um, and this is a very serious question across the uh, dev community and something that people have battled over for a long time now. Do you prefer spaces or tabs when you format your code? Okay, um, I, I'm going to ask everybody to, <laughs> to keep me in their friend group, like regardless of <laughs> what my answer might be. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I've, I've, I've been raised um, for the last couple of months uh, that I've been working, so I'm quite new to programming still uh, with tabs. And I, I don't know, spaces didn't even really occur to me. It seems like if you're using... From my perspective, if I'm using spaces, there's a lot of spacing to be done. If if I'm using tabs, it's it's a lot more like yeah, there's less of it, which I think is a good thing for a lot of things. That's the correct answer from my side. Tabs is tabs is the way. Uh, it, it, it's just so much. Um, it, it it's just neater. I it's so intangible. But I'm just not a Spaces fan. I mean, it, it means nothing with linters and that kind of thing that will automatically lint your code for you. And if you're someone who's learning to code and listening right now who doesn't know what a linter is, look up ESLint in VS Code and you will save yourself. I'm sure both of us as people that were primarily self-taught can vouch for. Um, you will save yourself a lot of time uh, with formatting code properly, especially if it's a... Uh, yeah, <laughs> especially if it's a language that's sensitive to formatting, like JavaScript, you can get away with it. Python, you really can't. So you ha- you have to be careful because uh, the space, uh, the wrong space, can break your entire application. So um, got to be got to be careful with that. Um, and what what about when you are um, what powers your tabbed code? Is it coffee, tea, energy drinks, or uh, as as we the first guest that I spoke to uh, last week? Um, sorry, I should say the first out-of-the-box answer that I got from, from a guest was he has only drunk water since he was four years old. Uh, so I couldn't believe that. Hasn't drunk anything else. No alcohol, no caffeine, no tea. I couldn't believe it. Uh, so I don't know if you're going to top Ethan's answer there. but <laughs> Oh, okay. Um, yeah, no, I mean, respect. <laughs> I, I am, uh, I'm also a big water fan, actually. I pretty much only drink coffee black mint tea and 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 water sometimes hot with lemon is also nice um but yeah i I actually i used to be very almost too firmly in the coffee camp um and i had to cut down from my 12 espressos per day (laughs) significantly yeah 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 i do just alternating you know and just drinking away every half hour and, and eventually you get through them so um now i try to have my my two or three cups of coffee in the morning um yeah, to wake me up, keep me sane and able to communicate. And then I, I'm on the tea and water um, after 1 p.m. usually, or, or decaf on a rare occasion. 12 coffees a day is impressive. Like I, I, I'm quite caffeine tolerant, but I think that might give me the gistus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not, a, not impressive in a good way, unfortunately. Not something to aspire to. That takes me back to revising for finals uh, a few years ago, for sure. Although that was more Red Bull and that kind of thing. Uh, so even so stronger. Much yeah. <laughs> and what, what, what about before you got into code? Because both of us, neither of our first careers, so to speak, were in, were in code, although we both transitioned into to coding pretty early on in our careers. When you were younger, uh, when you were a kid, what did you want to do for a job? So uh, it can be completely different a lot of the time. Like I want to be a vet, for instance. You, you wanted to be a bat. A, a vet, V-E-T. 
might, might have worked with bats, but yeah, I want to be a bat. Yeah. <laughs> I see. Okay. Um, yeah, it's somewhat more kind of um, achievable, I think. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, um, I, I didn't have any very kind of specific aspirations. I wanted to do something that I enjoyed doing. That was my main, always my number one. Um, but I, I think the only thing that like I, I had solidly for for a good couple of years between like the ages of 11 and 15 was um, flying uh, wooden biplanes. I really wanted to be a... Uh, 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 Basically, I was reading a lot of Biggles, and and I wanted to be a, a fighter pilot, but not in like the modern jets, but in the and not actually fighting because you know I I just want to fly the planes with the multiple wings. I don't want to shoot at people. Um, yeah, so that that was my <laughs> um, possibly my only kind of career aspiration <laughs> growing up as a kid. That's really cool. Uh, I like that. Next time you're in, uh, next time you're back in East Lothian, there's a, um, there's a, there's an airfield somewhere near North Berwick. I'm not sure exactly where, but they fly all those historic planes. So if you haven't caught it already, it's definitely worth seeing. I have been. They have a Concorde there. I went there on a school trip. Do they? Yeah. Ah, I, I didn't know there was like a museum and stuff. I'll have to check that out. In terms of, um, we, we've talked about getting into tech. What was it that? Obviously, we worked together at Talent.io, you were in marketing, I, I was uh, selling the recruitment platform. Um, what what got you into coding? What was the inspiration? And how did you end up becoming a full-time engineer? Mm-hmm. Um, so initially, I looked into JavaScript um, because uh, it, well, I, you start off with HTML and CSS, of course, but I started looking into to programming because I was writing about it all the time for work and um, I don't like the feeling that I, I don't know what I'm writing about and I think until you have actually programmed something uh, you don't have a good idea of, of what code is in fact or at least I really didn't I, I don't know what I imagined it to be but but I was surprised when when I started programming as to what the internet and all these apps and is actually made of um, so yeah, so so I just started it out as a bit of fun. I was also kind of new in Berlin at the time, um, and there was a nice social scene around it. Um, so that was that was fun. You know, you get to know a couple of people, um, and you enjoy spending time with them and programming something. So you keep going along. Um, yeah, so uh, so it was it was uh, learning about my then job as well um, in a way, um, and I just got more and more interested in it. Um, and then I think I think I, I was pretty inconsistent with it for for a couple of years. Um, and, but increasingly, I was realizing that um, both the kind of what I knew from 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 working inside an HR company um, that focused on tech um, about the kind of uh, culture that surrounds um programming and and how it is to work as a developer. Um, I really liked um, what I saw of, of that kind of environment. Um, and, and, uh, yeah, I was also at the same time really enjoying the, the, the programming, uh, itself that I was doing in my spare time. Cool. Yeah, that, that, that sounds good. And in, in terms of the, um, initial spark, was it because it was helping your, your job in, in marketing? Was it, was that why, uh, that you wanted to dive deeper into it? Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, um, as I as I say, it, it's in order to know what I was writing about when I was writing articles about programming. Uh, it really helps to 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 have some kind of concept of of what programming is, um, rather than just. It, it's quite easy, I think, sometimes to to do a job that's just touching programming and knowing the kind of keywords and and having an idea of like front-end developer develops the website back-end developer develops the database but then not being not not getting past that kind of abstraction into into what code actually is um and and I wanted to understand that as well um, when I was when I was working on it so I for that reason I made an active effort to do some coding myself um in order to to know what I was talking about Cool. Sounds good. Well, that, that's going the extra step with content marketing. So uh, that that's really cool. And you already touched on the kind of social scene around technology in Berlin. Um, how, how do you find the tech scene is in Berlin? Is it the sort? Of, would you recommend maybe uh, grads from the UK move over to Berlin, other parts of the world? W- would you recommend it? What's cool about it? 
Uh, I mean, I think Berlin's great to live in in general, especially for people who, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, especially for people who are um, fluent English speakers, um, because there's, there's such a large English speaking community here, and there are so many job opportunities um, in in jobs which which require you to to work in English. Um, so it's there's an easy way in. Um, there's there's not that initial barrier. Um, other than that, I, I mean, absolutely, I would I would recommend it because why not? It's it's really interesting to to experience living living in a different place. And I I think as well when you um, when you're surrounded by um, new things, you tend to try out things that you might not have tried out in your in your um, original environment. It, it's very stimulating. And um, Berlin's a very friendly city. Um, usually the weather's nice at the moment. <laughs> it's kind of not. <laughs> but um, but it's a nice place to live. Um, and, and I find um, what I like most about it is that people are really kind of don't uh, expect other people to behave in a certain way it's so long as you're not um so long as you're not upsetting anybody else you can do whatever you like you can uh, and and nobody's going to sort of um judge you for that and um yeah so i, I like it it's very chill and yeah the tech scene here is is pretty big as well um, and has all of those vibes <laughs> Yeah, it's a very you do you kind of city. Uh, I always find that, and um, definitely you couldn't couldn't um, with, with the English factor, like spe speaking English. It, it's I can believe it because I've done a bit of work in Berlin, and I speak a little bit of German, and I was trying to use it to order a drink in the bar, and the uh, bartender literally didn't understand me. Which, to be fair, could have been because my German was awful. Uh, but uh, I think it was because he only spoke English because he spoke back to me in English. So it can um, it, it, it's funny because it's almost like Berlin really feels like its own culture within within Germany. Uh, it's like a micro state in itself almost from when I've been. Yeah, I'd say that if your aim is to do programming and learn German at the same time, then don't come here. Go to go to Munich. Yeah, go to Munich. Yeah, <laughs> go. Yeah, but because um, because it's it's really difficult to convince people to speak to you in German. Sometimes I've been here for three and a half years, and my German is okay, um, but it it should be a bit better than that. I feel um, for for myself um, already, um, and and this is because it's never needed um, unless you unless you really make an effort for it to be. Um, but yes. Um, that aside, it's 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 really it's a fantastic city to live. I think in many ways kind of similar to Edinburgh. Actually, I I also had a similar sort of feeling from 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 being there. It's very comfortable to be in. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting place, and uh, yeah, in Germany in general, to be fair, it's hard to hard to practice German because everyone's so nice about it. First off, and second off, everyone wants to practice their English and is so so forgiving of you, even speaking a little bit of German. Everyone's so nice about it and just says, "Let's continue in English." <laughs> um but yeah it's uh yeah it's it's berlin is an awesome place so if listeners haven't been uh definitely get yourself out there uh even if it's just for a holiday rather than to move uh it's very cool i i definitely recommend um and in terms of uh for for young people that are you know i i look at the demographics of this listener base and although we don't have a ton of listeners yet I, the trend i can see is it's mainly people that are of sort of university age or younger what would you say to someone in that position, maybe between 16 and 22, that is thinking about getting into programming as a career? What would you advise them on the, on the best route to oh, do? Um, I would say, I mean, it, it sort of depends a little bit whether you're already studying computer science or if, if like uh, me and you, um, you're kind of uh, going in from a completely different um, subject. I don't think I'd be able to um, give a fantastic insight on the best route for somebody who is coming from a degree simply because that that hasn't been my experience of it um, but then again I think there are a lot of opportunities for new grads um, and and companies are um, offering a lot of internships um, and in Berlin as well um, and in Germany I think in general there's a um, thing called uh, being a work working student um, where they actually have positions specifically for um students from a specific field so yeah so if you're doing computer sciences um if you're coming from from another subject i i would say find some i i'd say for a start do it it's it's really fun 
Um, it's fantastic. You get to use your brain. You get to be around nice people. You, um, yeah, you 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 get to really see a project that you're working on being used and and functioning and it's very creative actually i i think um it's i i don't know if people often i yeah i don't think that's me- maybe necessarily always highlighted because you think oh engineering that's you know it's like maths and stuff but actually there's there's a lot especially as a front-end programmer i i can't speak so much for the back end um there's a lot of design and sort of decisions on the user interface and the experience and there's quite a lot of psychology almost in a way um thinking about you know is this nice to use um so i would say that you already everybody has skills that are transferable to software engineering um, regardless of whether they're studying that subject or a different subject. You you can think about how um, what you're interested in sort of gives you a particular perspective on programming um, and, and leverage that and utilize that. I'd say find some small projects that you'd be interested in, um, in building. Um, and for me, what really worked um, in terms of learning um, software development was a hybrid of sort of doing courses, perhaps. Um, often there are a lot of very good free online courses. Um, so it's not a sort of massive investment or a barrier to entry in that sense. Um, so there's, there's a lot of educational material. Uh, there's Stack Overflow, um, which is uh, where you find the answer to all of your problems <laughs> and everybody else's problems. Um, there's all of the documentation for different languages. Um, yeah, and and I'd say try following following some courses, but then also applying what you what you learned. I don't know if that worked for you, Cameron. I, I think you had a kind of similar approach. I saw you doing 100 days of code uh, when you were like. Yeah. Yeah, it's very much the same thing. It's consistency. It's like, uh, it's like practicing anything. Like you, you're not going to get good at anything overnight. And uh, definitely the, the thing that I always try and drive home to people is if you're going to do 10 hours a week, don't do it all on Saturday. Like just, uh, um, I, oh, I can't do the mental. I've really put myself with, that's a difficult equation. Uh, you can, <laughs> like you can't do what, uh, it's much better to do 1.2 hours a day. Um, and I'm probably aptly demonstrating that you don't need to be great at maths to be a software engineer. Uh, I think I've had to, um, I, I think I was actually thinking about this the other day about data structures and algorithms. I think I've had to do a binary search once which is like CS 101. So in terms of more advanced stuff, uh, you know, obviously it's, it's actually, to be honest, mainly used in interview processes uh, and not for most companies. It's only for certain big tech companies they use them, uh, mainly as a way to see what your uh, kind of baseline um, kind of aptitude is. So if you study, it's a very specific thing you have to study for. Uh, so um, in my experience, yeah, it's exactly as you say, just, just, basically consistent practice and um, solving problems that you want to solve through easy web tools. Uh, and and just uh, sometimes not being afraid to just put it out there. You're never going to know if you're ready, but uh, you, you've got to start put, putting yourself out there on the job market and seeing uh, who, who might be interested. Because even if it's like an internship position, uh, it can spring into something much bigger. And then before you know it, you could you know, you're climbing the ladder and uh, I've been working officially as a mid-level for three, uh, three, about three months now. And it's been, um, it's been awesome. And, you know, I, I couldn't even, I literally probably wrote my first line of code three years and two months ago. So uh, it, it's been a really exciting journey so far. And if anyone's listening has been plugging away, um, you could be so close uh, to that elusive first job offer. So, uh, you know, you know, as the saying goes, if you're going through hell, keep going. Not that programming should ever be hellish, but <laughs> no. Hopefully, hopefully, we we'll have to go through that to get there. Um, but yeah, I, I think um, I think as something that's often missed out, or at least was not emphasised to me, which I then found made a lot of difference when I started working. Um, and correct me if you disagree, but um, uh, rather than the actual programming itself per se are all of the different tools that you use to interact with this um so i i include in that everything from just knowing how to google uh, a a problem that you're having which which now seems very obvious and you you know copy paste etc but 
is was not for me at least when I was starting out. Um, it was very hard to find what I was looking for. Um, and then uh, things like uh, using Git and GitHub. Um, this can also be, um, at least from my experience and from what I've I've seen from some other people who who I've been learning with, is is something that you don't prioritize because you know that's not the actual code. But actually, this is a really an essential collaboration tool and and part of what's really um, makes a I found a big difference working in in a team which is what most people will be doing once once they're actually um, working as software engineers uh, is being able to collaborate in a really kind of clean and understandable way so communication is is a big part of it um, too yeah that was uh, that was a big learning curve yeah I, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that about uh, about github and source control in general because it's there was a great reddit post and if i can find it i will link it in the description of this podcast but the person the author basically explained that uh it's like hacks to basically save the seniors on your team time as a junior uh and the number one uh is to make sure you know source control inside out it will just really accelerate your learning because even at a very basic level and i've told the story in the podcast before uh, so I won't bore repeat listeners, but basically, uh, long story short, I was cutting and pasting my code and manually inserting into GitHub file by file because I was literally treating it like my Google Drive or something. Uh, so, you know, it was just such a roundabout way of doing what was something so simple. But once you learn version control and you start collaborating on it with uh, with your friends and peers, then it makes it so much easier. And learning more complex stuff like rebasing, pulling in, uh, merging uh, from like your from from your main branch, it is just so uh, so important and so critical for your day to day work. And your senior devs will really appreciate you understanding that. And things like that they make the difference in job interviews. Uh, and they'll make the difference if you're, you know, an intern looking to go full time. Um, we already mentioned how Berlin does that really well with the uh, work student program. So, uh, you know, anyone listening in Germany, that that's a great way to get yourself noticed and, you know, go full time uh, is to is to just be super productive using uh, version control and um, just not not being afraid to learn that side of things. I, I couldn't I couldn't state it enough, um, even though I've stated it quite a lot there. <laughs> yeah, I think it's also very straightforward when you when you get into it. And I really, really mean that it, it's just it's scary because it's another thing to learn and a new thing to learn. But it is not complex. I, I can think of maybe, uh, you know, actually in, in my um, Slack messaging um, for, for work, um, I have a list uh, for myself, uh, which I wrote right at the beginning of uh, useful commands um, in order to to work with my code. Um, and I think maybe there are some people who, who don't know what version control is as well, who, who might be listening. Um, the reason that um, that Git is so important is is because um, when you're working on a on a programming project as a team, uh, you um, might often have a one um, sort of main um, source of truth for your code, one version of it. Um, and um, as you're working on it, you don't want to edit the good version because if you make mistakes um, and you you make them on the good version, then um, then this is a problem for for your actual website. Um, so what you do instead is you um, make copies of the good version, you work on them, and then you um, merge them literally into the the, the main version. Um, while after people have have checked, other people have reviewed um, that that that's all good. Um, so being able to do this well is the difference between um, having a kind of understandable and and clean um, feature um, that that you're working on um, presented to your your fellow engineers. Um, for them to read and understand versus a bit of a mess and um, yeah not really being able to contribute effectively yeah little and often is the key with pull requests little and often uh, basically don't make too many drastic changes in one uh, but if you're if you're able to sequentially kind of merge in new features new fixes uh, it's great practice if even if you're working by yourself just practice it and whatever you're working on um, I've been working on some personal projects recently and I've just been trying to be really disciplined about working on new what we call branches uh, and merging them in because if you've never done it before it's great practice uh, and what you can do is you can on stuff like GitHub um, the Atlassian suite you can you can link everything together uh, and and it works very nicely for a workflow so um, that again leans into like project management and that kind of thing the sort of stuff you won't learn 
if you're learning by yourself or if you're learning on CS degree or if you're in a boot camp, you can literally only learn it at work, but you can get a jump start um, and, uh, you know, be ahead of the curve. And the seniors on your team will appreciate you for it and uh, they'll have more time freed up to help you uh, with the more serious problems you're having. Um, so it's definitely, definitely a good thing to learn. I mean, we, we've talked about kind of boot camp, self-teaching, higher education. Uh, obviously, neither of us um, ha- uh, did a technical degree. Um, what was your experience like with higher education in general, though? Um, would you recommend the university route to others? Or would you say, uh, if you want to be a coder, uh, it's better to actually uh, kind of leave school at 18 or whatever, and then just basically smash away through online tutorials or a boot camp? Um, I think it really depends on um, not only what your end goal is, but but actually just what you want to spend your time doing. So I, I didn't do a degree because I thought that I would end up being an archaeologist. Um, and I didn't do a degree because I felt like I ought to go to university either. I think that's a shame if people are going to do higher education just because that's what people do and you're not sure what to do otherwise, I would say that's a a bit of a waste of time from my perspective. Um, I think I would do a degree if you feel like you want to spend three years, four years studying a subject. If you think that that writing essays on um, the the followers of Alexander the Great uh, sounds like great fun, then then do do a degree. And um, but uh, yeah, in that case, in classical archaeology. But uh, but yeah, but uh, or or if you really want to study computer science, do computer science. Um, but I would just say at the same time that it's it's not a must for for programming. I think for programming, um, you it's much more valuable. And since we talked about GitHub. Um, to show that you are able to program Uh, and this doesn't go for all companies Um, if you want to I I, I'm not not an expert in in this uh, specifically but I think there are certain companies that if you want to join them um, as an entry level um, then they look for a computer science degree Um, however also you know there's there's always a chance to apply to these kind of places later on. I think, you know, after you have a couple of years work experience and nobody cares what you studied or whether you studied at all anymore. Um, yeah, and otherwise, I'd say it's much more important um, to show that you have personal projects. So having a GitHub is very important um, from this perspective as well, because it's a kind of portfolio of your code. It can function like that. Um, and um, yeah, and and also in your technical interview, um, in your interviews in general, actually, I think it's very important to first show that you're going to be nice to work with. So so the more important thing is to be able to communicate well, to, to seem fun and, and, and like people are going to want to spend 40 hours a week um, hanging around with you in their team. Um, and also being able to, aside from kind of learning technical stuff, is, is being able to understand and explain why you're choosing to do something in a particular way, um, or what your thought process is behind the way you code. So I would say projects and also understand why you're coding like you're coding. It doesn't have to be perfect. Um, in the interview that I had for my the company I'm currently working in, um, I think the one of the main questions that, that I got asked um, about how I'd implemented part of a particular project um, and what would I do if X... Um, I actually didn't know the answer to, um, and and I said that I I couldn't think of 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 sort of an answer that I thought yes this is it, um, and I just explained my thought process. Well, you know maybe um, what I'm thinking is if I want to uh, have this kind of implementation, I might have this sort of problem, but I'm not sure about that aspect of it. Um, yeah, explain, be clear, and and I think people appreciate that actually. And other skills can be taught on the job. That's that's uh, yeah, it's hard skills that they they, they you, you'll acquire them as you go along, um, and you shouldn't have them all as an entry level engineer. That's that's kind of scary. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think you know it's the the old adage, right? Uh, hire for attitude, uh, train for skills, or is it the other way around? No, <laughs> it's definitely that way. Around. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it, it, it's very much that way, and I'd absolutely echo what you say. You know, it's about the interview is very much cultural, particularly for an entry level uh, engineer. It's about showing humility, 
um, the fact that you're happy to uh, you're happy to have your code critiqued and you'll you'll graciously accept feedback. But then also as well that you're not afraid to um, voice your opinion on on, on things uh, in a polite way, of course. Um, and you know. A, Companies love it if a junior developer wants to get stuck in and make suggestions. So um, it's definitely a good thing. And uh, the other thing as well is explaining technical concepts to non-technical people. Then if you can explain things to HR um, without either going over their head or being patronizing, uh, it's, it's a great, um, it's, a, it, it's, it's a difficult medium to hit sometimes if you're trying to explain something a bit complicated um, technically. So that's an important skill to practice. And that's the sort of thing you can practice with like your friends and family that aren't coders. So um, yeah, that that's uh, it's really good to work on that. So you, you're working at uh, Spielworks at the moment, right? So what what's the kind of stuff you're working on, or is it's, it classified? It's not so classified. <laughs> I'd love to be able to say it was. I think <laughs> that sounds kind of mysterious and exciting, but um, but yeah, it, it's nonetheless exciting. Um, so Spielworks is a Berlin-based company dealing. Um, there they have two products. Um, one is a crypto wallet. Um, and the other is a gaming platform, um, which I believe it's the first or even the only gaming platform with crypto rewards. So it there's a kind of nice intersection of um, people who are interested in games, therefore people who are kind of online gaming and people who are um, very kind of tech savvy and um, also interested in therefore kind of blockchain technologies because it's you know something else that's that's kind of up and coming technology um, and Spielworks is is kind of at the intersection of these Um, and specifically um, at the moment I'm doing a lot of work around NFTs if you if you know what that is um, it's it's non-fungible tokens Um, so uh, so things like um, Famously, uh, there is on the Ethereum blockchain uh, something called CryptoKitties, which were being sold for crazy, crazy amounts of money. Um, they're, they're pictures of cats, essentially. I mean, who doesn't love a picture of a cat? Uh, but <laughs> I'm sadly, I'm not dealing those. Um, but um, but yeah, but but NFTs can be like bits of artwork or it's it's property on the blockchain, essentially. Um, and I guess the kind of um, yeah the um, this is very relevant for for games and gamers where you're where you're dealing with a lot of kind of online visual assets and and it can be nice to have things that that you not only kind of um, gain in a game but but things that you you own from that game so that's that's what I'm um, that's what I'm working on. Yeah, it's a really interesting solution to the digital assets problem where things don't have a physical presence anymore. It's verifying who owns what. And, you know, with artwork, with the world moving as quickly as it is, art is naturally going to change. And I think NFTs are a really interesting answer to that. I mean, obviously, all the all the kinks haven't been ironed out yet, but it's really exciting. And the potential is quite something. I mean, um, I, I was reading on the BBC uh, the other day about the, uh, do you remember the Charlie Bit My Finger video? <laughs> Um, those kids it was like the one of the first viral videos they sold it as an nft Ooh. for 750k um so both the lads were like paid for university and everything off the back of it so it's a, it's a really interesting um kind of concept and i think something that's actually been long overdue uh online really considering the world has now been online yeah, for i'm so actually on talking about years. the world being online for for nearly 30 years and and people selling iconic things um, I read recently that Tim Berners-Lee, and I don't know when he did this, but he sold an, a representation of the original source code of the internet um, for, I think, just a bit over $5 million, um, I presume. Um, yeah, as an NFT as well. Um, so, oh, wow. so there's some, you know, it's not all pictures of cats. Um, there's there's different, um, anything that, that you can kind of experience digitally, I think, can be an NFT. Um and um, I say that without like a huge amount of grounding in in that subject. Largely, I'm I'm implementing um, how they these NFTs are displayed in our in our front end. Um, and and for for gamers, you know, if you're playing um, a game, you invest a lot of time in um, in this virtual world, and you might be picking up certain assets. You know, say you're I, I played RuneScape. <laughs> that's that's my main gaming experience. Um, as, as a kid um, and um, you know I don't own any of the swords that I put in you know a lot of hard time to, to smelt 
and uh, you know and fought fought for. Um, and uh, it's this sort of thing that when you when you finish playing a game, you you kind of quote unquote lose the the progress that you made there. You lose um, what you've been working towards. Uh, and with NFTs. If you have um, assets that are no longer in the game, but they're actually on the blockchain from the game, then you can actually have ownership of the things that you work towards. Um, so it's it's a bit of a um, yeah, it's a new new concept, I think. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Because I mean, uh, Steam kind of had a predecessor to this. I don't know if you're aware with their like trading cards, um, and it was. Uh, I don't think they're backed by NFTs or anything. I think they're just basically distributed, and um, they'll sell for a lot of money. And it's quite interesting. You basically just earn them by um, by playing games, and uh, it's it's an interesting world. And I think stuff like um, I've been reading about like rare sports cards and that kind of thing. Um, like I never really, it's one of those things I haven't considered. Like I used to collect like football cards when I was a kid and actually it turns out the really rare ones are worth a lot of money. So you, I, I might have a dig around my parents' attic when I'm, when I'm next time back home. Cause yeah, you never it's, know. It's exactly the same concept some. actually. Uh, I say the, the, <laughs> the main difference is that, you know, once something's on the blockchain, it's there for good. Um, so, uh, there's no chance that you can, um, you know, have, have the company or, or I don't know, whatever services kind of providing or hosting or, or something your your cards i don't know exactly how that works but um go down and then you lose things it's it's <clears throat> it's on the blockchain for forever yeah because it's a distributed network yeah. right so there's nothing no single source can just pull it not, down you'd have to control yeah, the vast majority yeah. of network not feasible. and if hopefully you do, then happen. it sort of makes the whole <laughs> if, if anybody does achieve that then it sort of makes the whole blockchain valueless so so in a way it sort of defeats its own purpose so why why would you take something over um when it's then and use a massive amount of computer power to do this when it would then be just totally devalued but i'm yeah uh, i'm i'm fairly new still to this realm so there's a lot to find out about that and if someone's managing to take the vast majority control of some important infrastructure then we've probably got bigger problems than the fact they've taken control because they possess that kind of computational power <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, cool. That uh, that sounds really interesting. And um, uh, is your company hiring right now? Because I know there might be devs in in Berlin that are uh, that are potentially looking. Ooh, I I am not sure. <laughs> I can send a link <laughs> to the website. I must say, I'm I'm pretty oblivious on the HR side of things. Now. I should have probably looked up this before going on the pod. But I I can I can link to the website anyway and then people can can look around and, and see if there are any jobs. It's a wonderful company. I was incredibly lucky um to yeah to be to be found by them. Um and uh, yeah it's a, it's an amazing place to work at. The the team, the people, the the projects, it's it's all a lot of fun. Very interesting. Awesome. That's a well that's a glowing recommendation. Uh that, that sounds really good. So I'll pop the link in the description um to uh, to Spielworks and uh is it is it uh, only people in Germany? Is it remote? Are you allowed to work in uh is it full time office? How how's the setup? Yeah, um so again, a little bit hard to say. Also, because I've only been working for them remotely, so so everybody is remote at the moment. We have a an office in Berlin, um, and um, and people occasionally go there. Um, I'm going there tomorrow, actually, and um, I would say also the vast majority of the people who work with us at the moment are are in Berlin. Um, However, I do believe there are one or two people working from from, from other places. We have some some um, yeah um, somebody I think who's um, in Ireland or some something like this. So I I think there is the possibility that they're open so long as the the time um, is not like yeah <laughs> miles different, you know. Um, and in terms of whether it's a full time, um, yes. It, so I'm I'm working roughly, let's say, a nine to five. Um, but they're very flexible on everything like that. I mean, the important thing is is the work and and are you available for your meetings? Are you reachable? Um, and and do you kind of produce what what is expected of you? And if yes, then you can organize yourself as you want. It's not there's no micromanagement. It's it's fantastic. So, really. That sounds great. So um, I, I guess on, on that note, really, we, we, we've covered uh, covered quite a lot of uh, kind of the ecosystem around Berlin, um, you know, what you need to learn as a dev. Uh, is there anything 
else that you'd like to plug? Have you got any blogs or anything you're working on at the moment? Ooh, um, I haven't got any blogs, but um, there's there's one organization that I came across in Berlin that I'm a massive fan of, and um, I would like to bring them up for, for both actually um, experienced developers and people who are learning to, to program. Um, so when I came here, I found uh, uh, an organization called Codebar, um, and um, they really pulled me through um, through through learning to to program, and they're they're focused on um, helping people from minority backgrounds um, in tech um, to to enter. So this can be um, sort of uh, th- there's a there's a much smaller proportion of women in tech. There's a much smaller proportion of people who um, maybe haven't had um, a higher education or people who, yeah, even are, are coming from different fields. Um, so it's it's very kind of broad. Um, but the idea is to help people who haven't had uh, the sort of traditional route um, into tech um, to to get where they where they need to be. Um, and uh, yeah, and and they're doing fantastic work. They're both in. They're doing all of their meetings online now. It's um, every other week um, per location, and they're spreading across the world. So they're in London. There's a there's a group in Edinburgh. There's a group in Berlin. There's a, probably I think I even heard of one in, in Hong Kong or, or something similar. Um, and they are both great for students who are wanting to get some help on their projects. Um, What they do is they pair you up with a mentor who is doing the language that you're interested in, um, who's who's a professional developer. um, And and then you spend two hours um, coding together, working out. You can work on a kata, like a a coding problem, or you could work on on a project that you've been developing, or you can work through, they have some online courses as well. Um, Yeah, and I also really want to bring them up to uh, people who are currently working as developers because it's very um, important that there are uh, people who are interested in teaching um, showing up and helping to coach and, and helping more people to um, learn to to program um, in this way. Yeah. So I can also send you a link to that organization. Yeah, that, that sounds great. I've, I've heard I've heard they do amazing work. And um, yeah, I'm definitely keen on getting down to the Admiral Ron and any experienced developers listening. Remember, one of the best ways to make sure you understand your fundamentals really inside out is to teach them to someone else, uh, either mentor someone at work, get down to an organization like Codebar. Uh, you know, this is an industry where we want to help each other up, lift each other up. And uh, one of the best ways to do that is mentor someone either internally or externally. And that sounds like a great way to do that. So I'll pop down, that down in the description as well. So um, thank you everyone for listening uh, to this. And thank you so much for your time, Liska. It's been really great to catch up and uh, hear all about uh, what's going on in, in Berlin and finally have an international guest on the show uh, because this is episode six or seven and we haven't had anyone yet. So that's really exciting. Um, code of career spreading across the world. Uh, so if you have any questions as well, I'm preparing to do a Q&A podcast in a few weeks time. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of loading those up a little bit. I've had a few th- uh, through already. So um, get your questions in the code of career at gmail.com. Um, but until then, I've been Cameron Blackwood with Liska Crofts for the Code of Career podcast. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you so much for having me. Bye.